When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Football! Yeah! That was like the soundtrack going through all of our heads. Oh, there it is. There's the rest of it. To restart this. Every like week I have to restart my button bar. It's, kind of a, it's like, a, like a janky button bar. Probably upgrade that. Uh, this is Purple Daily, janky Vikings talk. Actually, it's not. It's Daily Vikings Entertainment, and thank you guys for making this one of the most listened to and popular football podcasts in America in 2022, according to uh, Apple. We appreciate you guys. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die, and finding someone to run a better defense is a huge step in that direction. So we're going to get into the latest defensive coordinator fodder, who the Vikings are interviewing. In the coming days here, the show is presented by our friends at TCL. No matter what you watch, TCL has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space, all with stunning picture quality. And TCL makes more than just TVs. They offer mobile products, audio devices, home appliances. TCL brings you joy and simplicity through innovative technology. Uh, and certainly brings you joy as well, even oh. after a disappointing end to the Viking season. That's true, but you know... Sunday was the perfect day for two things. One, football, just glorious. Two really fun games. And two, sitting on your couch watching that football with a Surly, with a Furious, with a Logic Bomb, with an Axeman. I could go down the list before I die. But you know what? The key thing is football and Surly go hand in hand. They're a perfect combination, which is why they are one of the presenting sponsors of our show right here, Surly Brewing. As always, and I, I had a couple people do this yesterday as well and on saturday show us your cans whatever surly you're sipping on show us a can at jay zolgad at score north on twitter we always appreciate that yes all right so we we are devoted to picking apart everything the vikings need to do things that we think they should do things that they are doing um we've we've just gone head first starting last monday into vikings offseason fodder how can they make this thing better short term long term to accomplish the ultimate goal, not only on this podcast, but for the actual franchise to win a Super Bowl. And so they decided last week at Donatel, you're not part of that blueprint anymore. Respectfully, thank you so much, but we're going to say goodbye to you. And uh, they have announced, or it's been reported anyways, that they're going to interview at least three candidates, probably more. I'm guessing there's going to be some more names trickle out here, but the three names we know are linked to the Vikings right now are Brian Flores, former Miami Dolphins head coach, sued the NFL, 
Now he's been a special assistant in Pittsburgh under Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Only 40 years old, like 40, 42. Even though he's been with like the Belichick staff for, he was with the Patriots for like 10 yeah. years. Yep. But uh, just a guy that's, that feels like he's been around for 20, 25 years, but he's not that old. Mm-hmm. Sean Desai, who was the defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears in 2021. Um, currently the associate head coach and a defensive coach for the Seahawks. And then Ryan Nielsen, the Saints co-defensive coordinator. So these are your three guys right now on a list. Judd has done some background research. What yep. scheme do these guys run? So let's start with Brian Flores. What do we know about Brian Flores and his uh, potential candidacy here? 41 years young. 41 years, yeah. so he's he's not, not old, to Phil's point. Um, he was a longtime defensive assistant with Belichick. He was the de facto DC, but because the Patriots operate in mysterious ways and don't give titles sometimes, he didn't have that title before becoming Dolphins coach. And the connection with Kevin O'Connell is O'Connell was a third-string quarterback with the Patriots in 2008 when Brian Flores was there, okay? Now, but what I want to get into is the skinny, the skinny of what these guys do. What do they run? How do they think? I don't know what they eat for breakfast, but if I could have found out, I would have. Difficult conversations. That's what they they need to be eating. And and two things to keep in mind. Uh, They are going to interview people for this job, but I also, my guess is, O'Connell's also trying to pick people's brains he respects because the platform exists to do it, to get ideas as well. So, like, there might be some guys that he brings in. He doesn't have an eye on hiring, but he likes what the system they've run or who they know. So, like, it's always smart to try and pick a person's brain when you can, and the opportunity to go through, like, a DC search does exactly that. All right. The skinny on Brian Flores. And I, I got this from from our friend Tyler Fornis, who, of course, I work with at Vikings Wire, where, you know, you can find the home of sports dads. Wow. All right. Flores runs a 3-4 base, but it's not Fangio's. So it's not the Donatel, it's not the Fangio, it's not the it's not the uh, defense that O'Connell brought in on purpose very much so in 2022. He runs most of his coverage out of a cover one base that leaves Football. a single high safety. So keep in mind, 3-4 uh, Fangio, too high eliminates, well, it's supposed to, big pass play. <laughs> this is a cover one. That's going to call for the corners in more man coverage. It can morph again into a 4-3. Most importantly, I think I would consider this to be a more aggressive defense. Yes. I So I also did. I, I don't know that I did the, uh, the scheme inciting that you did, but in my limited notes, I wrote down aggressive in all caps when looking at this sort of Brian Flores, Dolphins, going back to Patriots defense, taking the fight to opposing offenses. And statistically, just to add some seasoning here too, so Miami, when he was there at Miami for three years as the head coach, sort of you know installing what he wanted to install, right? They had a 40% blitz rate over his last two years in Miami, which was the second highest in the NFL. They led the NFL in takeaways his second year in Miami, mm-hmm. and they were among the best pressure defenses, too. They had the sixth-best scoring defense second year in Miami and the best third-down defense second year in Miami. 
aggressive attack, make yes. opposing quarterbacks feel uncomfortable. Don't sit back. Mm-hmm. Which which drove me nuts. Now, the Fangio scheme with the right personnel does work, so I'm not saying it doesn't, but I would rather, yeah, in watching the playoff games too, like it just crystallizes if I have a choice. Okay, my passive defense could work, but I also could play aggressive. I'm taking aggressive every time. And I, I would say a key question, assuming he's back, and until we see he won't be, I'm going to assume that he will, is one of my first questions to a candidate would be, how are you going to use Daniil Hunter? Not how does your scheme work? If, or if how are not, you going to use the the draft capital that we get back yep, in a trade for Daniil Hunter? That's fine. But I want to know, I want to know, like, Kendrick's gone. Harrison Smith, I think, back, but not positive. Patrick Peterson, gone. Like, I want to go through the players coming back and say, how would you use these guys? Not just, what does your scheme look like and how are they going well, to fit it? Because I think that was a huge mistake with the Donatel for a three, four that he tried to install was it was all about what he was going to do. And it's like the players that they had were never considered. Well, but you've brought, you've brought up, I think probably the biggest problem, if you will, if I'm Brian Flores, who by the way is interviewing today on this Monday for the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job. Mm-hmm. So if you know, he, he wants to be and, and believes that he should be a head coach again in the near future, he'll only take defensive coordinator jobs if he doesn't get a head coaching job and that Cardinals process could play out for two weeks because mm-hmm. this will be a, a first, they're doing their first round of interviews. Then they go into finalists. If he becomes a finalist, then that'll take place like late in the week or early next week. So he's going to, my guess is he's going to play this out with Arizona and anyone else that might want to interview him as a head coach first. And then if he had to take a coordinator job again, and he's interviewed for a couple of those or he's in the mix, he would probably pick the job that could catapult him back into head coaching contention. If he's going to look at this set of personnel and say, all right, well, so Patrick Peterson is is maybe gone, but if he's back, very much aging. I don't know who the linebackers are going to be. Zadarius Smith, who, by the way, uh, washed all of the Vikings references from his social I, media this weekend. Okay, yeah, I, I he's gone. Which he I'm might not. have been told that already too. Thank you so yeah. much. Wash it out. Yeah. Um, you know, Hunter might get traded. So if I'm Flores, I have just as many questions for the Vikings, if not more, yes. as they would have for me. And that's after the head coaching stuff plays out. I sense that this one is done to talk to him about what he would do. Like I don't think I, I bet he and Kevin are acquaintances and probably like friends of some point. This just provides. This opportunity provides a great chance to get people in front of you and to basically spill their guts. Yeah, I would, but I would take him. Like if he, let's yeah. say he he didn't get a head coaching job, and even if it was like a one or two year stopgap thing for him to catapult his way into, I agree. The head coaching mix, cool. That's 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 kind of how defensive. If you want great defensive coordinators, they're going to be gone in like two or three years. You know, if they're head coaching material, I'm fine. Mike Tomlin was here for one year in 2006 well, and helped. You know no one saw that coming. Right. So I, I, he would be very, very high on, on my list, you know, just like the whole list, not including just the guys the Vikings are talking to. So mm-hmm. interesting. Okay. How about Sean Desai, who they interviewed last year? May have been even, did they get him a second interview? They liked him a lot last year, enough to bring him back a second time here. Mm-hmm. And my question to you guys over the weekend as we are texting about this stuff is, would you reject a guy last year, 
bring him back again for interviews, and then reject him a second time. And maybe the answer is like, yeah, he right. needs to like do well and present, but it shows how much they're, they're really interested in Sean Desai that they're bringing him back after rejecting him last year. It's sort of a, hey, well, sorry, uh, the Ed Donatello thing didn't work out. We really, really liked you last year. Let's let's start over again and you know go on our first date for a second time. So he, he was, as you talked about, Phil, he was the D.C. in Chicago in 2021, and then last season a Seattle associate head coach and deep defensive assistant, which seems to be what's going on more now. Like, we're getting a lot of defensive assistants like Mike Patton is, right? Like, he, yeah. he's an assistant. Uh, he had the, the coordinator title somewhere at one time. Uh, his defense is interesting because in Chicago in 2021 with not a good team, it was 22nd in points allowed but sixth in total defense. And part of the problem there was, and I think we talked about this last year as well, when he went through the uh, process, the offense in Chicago in 2021 had a minus 13 turnover differential, which was 30th. So they were basically like giving up short fields continually. So the defense got dinged for scoring, but they actually held teams in yards. Love it. See, that's the type of stuff right there that like, if you just look from a distance and say, well, look at the, Right. Look at this. No one's saying that they were that they were like the 2000 Ravens or anything. But context is a huge, huge factor in some of this stuff. You can't just look and say, well, I mean, look at the, you know, like even like we'll get to Ryan Nielsen. Well, the Saints defense wasn't that good. Okay, well, they're not just like putting a blindfold on and throwing a dart and saying, oh, let's just interview this random guy. There are reasons why they like these people. But there's a reason why they like Donatel, too. So we like fully trust them. So the skinny on Desai is this. He would bring Fangio's system from the Bears days, but with some tweaks because Pete Carroll and Seahawks DC Clint Hurt have specialized in cover three, cover seven, but they wanted to install elements of Fangio's scheme, okay? So they said to Desai, hey, the 3-4 that Vic runs has some great things, but unlike what O'Connell said, which is, Ed, just come here and install this. They said, no, 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 we're defensive guys, so let's actually incorporate some of the Fangio system to our cover three, cover seven. And now you're saying, okay, Sports Dad, what the hell does that mean? Like, you are just... Translate, translate. This is no longer funny, Sports Dad. You're just trying to bigfoot us with your big terms. Cover (laughs) Cover three is a zone look with four underneath and three deep. Cover seven is a two high split field coverage that calls for its players to distribute routes tightly, running with the receiver, so more man concept, even across the field. Football. So we're basically talking about a guy Wait, now. Wait, so the, the middle of the field may be covered in this defensive scheme. I, I know you're going to be shocked by this, but you don't just allow free releases okay. on crossing routes. Okay. I know that's going to shock you. So you can play. Are you allowed to step within seven yards of the line of scrimmage if you are a cornerback before the I'm, ball is snapped? I actually have a call in t- to the – the league right now because i'm not sure if the rule got changed but clear i guess you are which shocked me well i saw some cornerbacks this weekend that i was like well that's not allowed are the refs not watching what's happening they're literally standing on the line of scrimmage and they're putting their hands on wide receivers i was appalled i was appalled and i was just (laughs) waiting for the flag to fly and, and it didn't but long story short they might be talking to desai again because of the fact that he he brought Fangio concepts to Seattle, but then married them with a couple of smart defensive guys because P. 
Pete Carroll is definitely a smart defensive coach, married them with the Seahawks concepts, which yes. is going to give him more reference points now than he had probably last year. Another praise here, and I, I know that uh, I've been I've been living in Seattle for a couple years. I don't pay like super close attention to the Seahawks, despite what people may sure think. You, sure, you don't. Yep. I'm not glued okay. to their every personnel yeah. move. All right, whatever. Pete. What? Whatever. Yeah, me and Pete man. Carroll yeah. like to. Uh, you are the twelfth. Little red wine. We like to meet up and just chew gum you together. Climb the flag pole, young you guys. Climb the flagpole before <laughs> games, and you the twelfth man. But one of the big praises of of the Seahawks this season is that they've had to, you know, they've the Legion of Boom defense that launched ten years ago. All those guys are basically gone, and they've had to take sort of second tier players or young players or mid to late round draft picks, and they've had to remold this thing. And uh, that defensive coaching staff, and they were, and they wound up like twenty fifth in points, so it wasn't a great defense. But there were some individual stories of can, players that were asked to step up, they developed guys kind of on the fly, and they held their own as a team, and they had some good defensive performances. So if you're looking for a guy to come in here, work with younger players or special teams players that need to graduate to the defense, the Asamoas, the Josh Metellises, does Sean Desai fit that category? And I think it's fair to say between Flores and Desai, and I'm not reporting this or anything, I'm just sort of speculating, that if you were to say to both those guys, hey, so as part of our, uh, what's it called, competitive rebuild, the offense is going to be really competitive because we got all these pieces. The defense is rebuilding. We're saying goodbye to everyone over the age of 30 or most of these guys, maybe a keep Harrison Smith or something, but it, you're going to have to mold this ball of clay and you're going to have to take guys that might not actually be starters and get something out of them. Brian Flores has options. Sean Desai might not. Sean, this, you know, there might... He he finished runner-up to Jim Swartz for the Cleveland defensive coordinator job. He's like, what, 40 years old? He might be more willing to take a job like this with fewer pieces to work with than an established former head coach like Brian Flores. So that is that is a factor in all this. He was also retained by three different head yes. coaches in Chicago. So Tressman. Yeah, he's actually, a Mark Tressman guy. He yeah. was a Mark Tressman guy. Oh, I'm out now. He was brought in from Tressman. <laughs> I'm out. Okay, forget about he it. He was Derek. a Tressman guy before he was a Fangio and, yeah. and Nagy guy. And then was retained by John Fox in 2015, and then obviously Matt Nagy in 2018. And I know you're probably thinking Mark Tressman, Matt Nagy, even John Fox passes fastball. Like, all oh, those aren't the most studious and greatest head coaches that have been around before. But also, I mean, that's two different regimes that came and said, no, this guy knows what he's doing. Um, and I think that says a lot. And also for him, for Pete Carroll to give him – even an associate head, or associate head coach and defensive assistant role, he got into coaching at 29 years old. I mean, he yeah. he took that job with Chicago with Mark Tressman at 29. So even though he's knocking on the door of 40 now, 10 years later, he's been around a block. He has other people that have retained him. I think he is probably strongly being considered for the Vikings defensive coordinator job. Yeah, that's because usually when guys get, that's a great point. He Mark Tressman hired him like 10 years ago as just like a quality control guy or something, a young guy. And usually, as you know, Judd covering the NFL for a long time, mm-hmm. when a new coach comes in, almost everyone gets blown out, not because they're like incompetent, but because you want to bring in guys that you know. It's okay, I, I've got, I've been making my list for 15 years. If I ever get this job, here's who I'm calling. For him to make it through not just one transition, but multiple transitions and stick around probably says something about his character, his ability as a coach, a teacher. So we'll see. We'll see. 
And I, I think what, one trend that we are seeing, at least from the first three names that have surfaced as candidates, is, and I like this one, we're not going to go, it looks like, the veteran crusty route now. Mm-hmm. No, these dudes Flo- are all like 40 yeah, years old. <laughs> is for, 41. Desai is right now 39. And the guy we're about to talk about is 43. So I think we're done. I think we're done with, uh, well, he and Fangio were contemporaries and we're boys and we go to the bar and have a beer and just eat and drink footballs. I think we're, I think we're going to get a coach now that's far more along O'Connell's line of age, which I think is a smart move. All right, let's get to that third guy here. And again, this list may expand at some point this week, but these are the three guys that we know reportedly the Vikings are going to interview for the open defensive coordinator job. Ryan Nielsen, currently the uh, New Orleans Saints co-defensive coordinator under Dennis Allen. He was originally hired by Sean Payton in 2017 to coach the defensive line, and he did just that under Payton for like four or five years and then uh, got elevated to co-defensive coordinator. He also, interestingly, turned down the LSU defensive coordinator job going into Ed Orgeron's last year in 2001. Good move. You may think, oh, it's a college D.C. job. That is one of the, like, five or six premier oh, yeah. highest-paid college defensive coordinator yeah. jobs. And this dude was in the running and turned it down as, like, a finalist. Mm-hmm. Um, the Saints ran a 4-3 defense base last year, and I'm sure Judd has even more details. But if Sean Payton identifies you as someone that's worthy of of coming on board and sticks with you. Interesting. Now, Sean Payton hasn't been known as the, the greatest defensive mastermind, but when smart, credible... That's true, yes. He puts together good uh, incentive programs. Incentive-laden <laughs> <laughs> defensive programs to take out Brett Favre at the knees. But a smart, maybe future Hall of Fame coach putting trust in someone. It's an interesting connection, the Sean Payton connection, but what else do you know about Ryan Nielsen? Well, I would say of the three guys that we've talked about so far, this one's the biggest curveball. Because one, his name, um, I had not seen his name at all until this came up in a report. I believe it was Ian Rappaport and Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune uh, had, had this on Sunday. And the list of 11, Phil, that you brought to the table early last week had Desai, it had Flores, it didn't have this guy. So Ryan Nielsen is a curveball, and here's why. According to Sports Info Solutions, the Saints ran mostly four down linemen with four to five sets, 11th most in Football. the league. So, so four, like, like a 4-3 with a, with a nickel, right? Yes, exactly right, which I actually like because it takes a linebacker off the field, so 4-2-5, and then the Saints ran the sixth most 4-3-4 four, four sets. They ran 175 snaps with only one down lineman and 68 with one. So we're talking about they get very creative. And I sort of like that. But this definitely sounds formationally um, different. Like Donatell and O'Connell ran different sets. I'm not saying that they didn't. But this would this does sound like a little bit of a curveball. And this is probably the most surprising name to surface, which is why it didn't come up on like your list or list that we saw last week. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I mean, O'Connell clearly wanted to run some sort of a three, four variation when he took the job. And I believe he even commented in his press conference last week. I missed this, but other people said that he made reference to wanting to keep the same defensive scheme if possible. Um, 
and Flores and Desai would help carry that sort of three four forward in some variety. But I like the fact that he's going outside of that box. If if he feels like Ryan Nielsen can bring something totally different to the table, sit down with him for four hours and see you know see what he has to say and what he would do with some of these pieces. I am curious too. Like so, O'Connell really liked the idea coming in of that three four. Fangio scheme and I I think in his heart he loves it because it frustrated him offensively when it was run correctly because he would have eaten up what the Vikings did if if he had had an opportunity to put his offense against that defense on a Sunday Um, but I do wonder if at the end of the day they are going to keep that as their base if they are going to morph it change it the one thing is in this league now where where O'Connell is right although I thought it was a bit of a -a rope-a-dope statement where O'Connell is right is you can call your scheme 3-4, 4-3, but the reality is you run different sets continually. Again, I'm going to come back to the most important thing, in my opinion. It's this. How are you going to use the players that you're going to be given from the first day? And second of all, are you going to be aggressive? Um, because, you know, what was – if you think about, to me, one of the biggest faults of the Donatel year was this. So this was supposed to be a defense that played two high safeties and didn't allow big plays, and yet they didn't stop them. Yeah. So and and that's so why. That? So what would you say you do? You here? do like, right, and that's and that's why when we were talking about it, I did think at one point in time, I didn't expect it and it didn't happen. But there was a point where you know it would have made sense to make a change because yeah. you're doing nothing. Like you sold O'Connell on a vision of what you could do, and you didn't come close. And I know you know. I feel like now it's the, and there's not a ton of these people, but the Donatel apologists are like, well, look at the personnel, look at that. But I've, I've, is there I've, like a roving gang of Donatel apologists? On Twitter, there's, all, there's always a gang of something, right? There's always a gang of something. But, you know, I've seen tweets about, well, look at the personnel. It sucked. It's no good. That's not an excuse to me. The Donatel defenders just, but just I mean, roaming around Judd's at replies. But, you know, Mike Tomlin was given a defense that had some really good good pieces in 2006 but it didn't have Jared yet and it didn't it wasn't great there were some very questionable pieces and you know what he did he worked his ass off to maximize it they weren't perfect they gave up far too many short passing yards which the patriots exploited but he also found a way to maximize the guys yes. Kevin and Pat right and that's what this defense never did like who did this defense maximize who did you watch and say okay yeah that would those two players are talented, and they are doing great. Zadarius at first, Daniil in the end, sack-wise, but Daniil also was allowed to, in my opinion, disappear. Yeah. So that's the thing is, you can't just say, well, you don't have... It, it always comes back to that discussion here, and it drives me crazy, which is, well, you don't have the players for that. The offensive line sucks, so what's Kirk supposed to do? The defensive personnel is terrible. So what's, what's, anyone spo- what's anyone supposed yeah. to do ever about anything? Did you watch these games this weekend? <laughs> Cincinnati's backup offensive line was magnificent. Yeah. Do you think that's a fluke? Agreed, dude. I, there, yeah, it, it, it is funny. I don't know if it's just like to protect ourselves from from like the feeling of failure. Well, it's all out of our hands. What, you know, what's Kirk supposed to do? What's Donatel supposed to do? What's the what, And then it's like, well, what's the front office supposed to do? Is that... <laughs> the other, you know, they're not drafting in the top 10. What are they supposed to do? It's just like a cycle of 
passing the buck. Well, I don't know. Come in here. If you're if you're a quarterback, don't throw short of the sticks on fourth and eight when your season's on the line. If you're a defensive coordinator, stop sitting back in a shell for four months while the defenses pick you apart week after week after week. You know, if you're a front office, stop locking up veterans to these ridiculous contracts and then kicking the can down the road. Exactly. There's a lot of things within their control. <laughs> exactly. So, yes, these are three really interesting names. Flores being the headline. Mm-hmm. Desai probably being the one schematically that, that fits and the guy that they liked last year. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see with Nielsen going forward here. But, wow, that was a sports dad bringing the sports Football. info solutions, bringing the cover seven. Look wow. at me. Look at me. I'm just a new man. Like, I am going <laughs> places I never used to go. I'm veering around the road now. Incredible. <laughs> Uh, we have a new partner alert, new partner alert on Purple Daily here, okay? Um, and this is, I'm very excited about this because about six years ago, I discovered Athletic Greens products, and it added so much value to my life. And now we get to talk about this on Purple Daily. I know this may come as a shock to people. I'm not always great at getting all the right nutrients from my food on a daily basis. It can be tough. You're busy. Uh, Now I'm just making excuses, but this is where AG1 from Athletic Greens is huge. One scoop mixed with my water in the morning, and I'm covered for the day with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me important daily nutrients. This is the first thing I drink in the morning. In fact, sometimes on the show, you'll see me with just like a weird green drink in a big jug. Right now, it's it's water because I've already had my Athletic Greens AG1. Um, But the biggest things I have noticed over the years... When mixing AG1 into my daily regimen, brain fog lifted, energy levels heightened, uh, helps with my gut health, which you guys all know about over the years, uh, supports my immune system as well. And so I just feel dialed in, ready to unleash football takes to the world in large part because of this daily routine of AG1 from Athletic Green. So for you guys, the audience, um, if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash purpledaily, athleticgreens.com slash purpledaily. When you go to that website and try this out too, it helps us so that they know that we are sending you. Um, This has been a game changer for me over the years. Excited to have them on board. And speaking of being healthy, Judd has lost over 40 pounds a year and a half ago, kept it off thanks to our friends at Livia. That's exactly right, Phil. The guy on the left, well, let's just say he was a little bit chunky, a little bit too chunky. The guy on the right, yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is the same sports dad. I know it's incredible. I know you're saying, no, it's not. It's a different person. But, no, it is sports dad, and that is thanks to what Phil just said, which is a program that works, a program that is not a diet. It's Livia Weight Control Centers. That means that they are going to help you shed the pounds like they did for me. But more importantly, and the most important thing, it's not a quick fix. They're going to help you keep that weight off. And that's the most fantastic thing. And if you join now, you're going to get a special sports dad slash Judd offer. That's right. Tell them that Judd from Score North sent you because you want a new you for the new year. And you're going to get 50% off the program. 50% off the program. What a deal. 855 go L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. Uh, we, we've had a bunch of folks from the PD family join and send us pictures and have great success here. Inside or outside the state, it doesn't 
matter. They will take care of you and help you lose the weight. Livia.com. All right. It's time now, gentlemen. We'll get to a mock before the episode is over. But it's, it's time now for the annual check. Can you win a Super Bowl paying your starting quarterback a crap ton of money? So, famously, as you may have heard us talk about on this show before, no team has ever won a Super Bowl paying one player more than 13.5% of the team's salary cap. Now, the Rams paid Matthew Stafford 11% last year, and they paid Jared Goff a bunch of cap money to play for the Lions. So I guess I'd, I'd put that one as an asterisk, that they technically were kind of paying two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Stafford was the only one on the roster, so people do point that loophole out as a, see, it can happen. Go pay your quarterback a bajillion dollars and then berate your front office for not being able to build a roster. So here's the check-in, okay? 13.5% is the magic number. If you pay one player more than that, historically, you don't win the Super Bowl. Okay. The Bengals are paying Joe Burrow 5% of their team salary cap. They should be arrested. How about that, dude? He they is. Be, I can't oh, love him. I can't. Better I can't get those refunds buns, ready. <laughs> oh. man, man crush of the highest order. He just walked into a snowstorm in Buffalo. I just did it. Was throwing just like before the game. He threw that that deep pass to the corner in warmups and did the slow motion oh, spin. Man. Like just not a care in the world. No. It's 5% of the Bengal salary cap. Now, that dude's going to get paid in about three years. Yep. And deservedly so. The 49ers. Let's take all three of their quarterbacks <laughs> and put them in because, yeah, I mean, if you just do the Brock Purdy yeah. thing, they're paying him like Two bucks. A, a half a percent of their He's salary cap. He's paying them play. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like a lifetime fantasy cap dream. Lead yep. your team to the NFC Championship. So if you include Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, it's like, 10%. The Niners are paying about 10% to their quarterback room okay. somewhere in that ballpark. Still below the 13.5% threshold. The Philadelphia Eagles. 1%. Jalen Hurts is making 1% of their team salary cap. He'll get paid at some point, too, but mm-hmm. pretty good oh, value. And, and that will change things. <laughs> yes, it will. That, that one, Burrow might not. That's the thing. will change things. Because the comp to Burrow when he gets paid would be the fourth team, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. They're paying Patrick Mahomes 17% of their – that's right, 17%. Oh, over the threshold. Over the threshold. I'm not sure they now, win Sunday. Well, the high ankle sprain yeah. could throw the whole thing off. But yep. if there is a quarterback, and maybe Burrow falls into this category in three years too, that can buck this trend, you would think it's – Patrick Mahomes, maybe the, the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Um, but that's that's where it stands. So basically, if uh, if the Chiefs win, they will set a new mark. Mm-hmm. If the Chiefs get bounced, then once again, for the uh, umpteenth year in a row, 13.5%. It's like when the when the, the 72 Dolphins pop champagne every time somebody loses. You know, I don't know who pops champagne every time. I guess me. Maybe I pop champagne because this is proving my point every year. Kirk haters all around the world just pop their champagne. Yeah. So if you want to look at, like, the the, the team spending, I looked this up last night on uh, Over the Cap. So here are the, let's see, six teams that spent more than 13.5% 
on their quarterback room. The Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And again, when you have that guy, yeah, you're gonna have to. you can kind of just you you do it and you just kind of get away with it, right? You you say goodbye to Tyree Kill and right. you uh, you draft a guy in the seventh round or whatever, and you go sign somebody else, and your offense still scores thirty because you mm-hmm. got that guy. So the Chiefs were over thirteen and a half percent. The Titans, the Commanders, the Vikings, the Lions, the Packers. Those are the six teams paying their quarterback room over 13.5%. Only two playoff teams out of those six, only one that actually won a playoff game this year, the Kansas City Chiefs. Very interesting. Why on earth? What would incentivize you as an executive or coach to go get Carson Wentz then? Because he, eats, he, he eats up the majority of that cap space, though. Yes, or to pay Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill eats yeah. it all for the – Tannehill, by the way, is that – that quarterback room is a $40 million cap hit quarterback room in Tennessee. Probably the worst value room in the yeah. NFL, right? Off one good year. He had yeah. one really spectacular season. In a very tricked up Derrick Henry situation, yep. and they and they said, "Uh, we're desperate. Let's when you're when you're doing when you're when you're above the to me when you're above the thirteen and a half percent threshold, there's only like maybe three or four guys that it makes sense with Mahomes. I think Josh Allen still, even though that team's going to erode now because they've kind of missed their chance a couple of years in a row." Um, Joe Burrow at some point moving forward, but it's a very, very short list for everyone else on this list. And I think the Packers made sense because Aaron Rodgers was an MVP until he took a step back this year. Yes. So they're going to try and get off this list. Yes. But if you're on this list and you don't have a Hall of Famer, it's checkmate for your chances. So and it's less of, it's less do, of it's an anti-Kirk. Difficult. It's more of a front office strategic thing. If you can get Kirk under this number, okay, like let's have a different conversation. But what are you? Why are you? Why are you on this list if you know that it's checkmate and you don't have Patrick Mahomes? That's my biggest gripe. So if you look at the Packers, though, because they're a really good example of exactly the problem. You know, their fan base and basically hell, the the outside world has always been like, "Well, yeah, you got Rodgers. Why don't you give him more? Why aren't you going out and getting more? Why aren't you getting a better defense? Why aren't you getting more receivers?" The answer is partially, look, they, they have not drafted, I don't think, great for the most part. But part of the answer is because you can't. Like, look at the Bengals' infrastructure. Look at that team. And that's going to change. When when Burrow gets paid, he's going to be relied on to do more. Look at, look at who they can pay on defense. I mean, if you watched, as good as Burrow was on Sunday, that was a complete team. They were marvelous in a lot of places where you are flat out when Joe Burrow is breaking the bank and he's going to, and he should, you're going to have to skimp. You're going to have to pull back and not pay as much. I'm going to give you a position that to me crystallized in the last two days, clearer than ever. And it's going to be a position where a lot of folks are like, I don't know. And I'm going to tell you right now, the fact that the Vikings had to, play Shandon Sullivan at nickel corner. Look at the nickel corners we just saw. Yeah. Ward in San Francisco. Uh the Buffalo um the Bengals nickel corners. Those guys are all great players. Mm-hmm. And you know what the problem is? If you're paying a quarterback huge money, can't afford that. 
We have to you have to skimp. Those yeah. guys get paid. It's like okay, so Judd, uh, you and Declan both go to the grocery store, and you're both given a two hundred dollar budget, or in the NFL's case, a two hundred million dollar salary cap budget. But here, you guys get you're both going to the grocery store. The goal is to cook the most impressive, tasty meal possible. Declan finds a $5 filet mignon. He's got $195 now to spend on everything else to make that meal incredible. I know the butcher. Judd goes to the grocery store and finds a $36 Salisbury steak. Oh, checked up. Now, could Where's Judd still, if Judd's an amazing chef, yeah, go, go buy six Blah. bottles of ketchup with the Blah. rest of your... <laughs> So even it, it's possible that Judd, as an amazing culinary mind, could still find a way to make it work right. and present an incredible meal, right? And maybe Declan's a bumbling idiot in the kitchen. Even with a $5 filet mignon, Burns he it. goes and buys uh, six watermelons, some bubble gum, and uh, a spatula. That all does sound And, like and does nothing to fortify the, salt, the, the filet mignon. But, like, who's, who's got the head start? Who's likely to cook the better meal? Mm-hmm. Probably Declan. With his five dollar filet mignon, and that's the Bengals right now. They have a five dollar filet mignon, and so they can afford. And I haven't looked and like broken down exactly where they've spent some of their free agency money, but it's easier for them to then go get a slot corner or a right overpay well, for a right guard in free agency or something, right? Yes, and but but you br- you bring up a very interesting soon to be uh, in a couple of years conundrum for the Vikings, which is this too: Justin Jefferson. That's, like, not we're not a, pick- that's not a conundrum to me. Well, but we're not picking. Well, but I'm saying is you're still going to have to operate in a very savvy way because it, it's not like once Kirk is gone, you're going to have this windfall of we've got we've got a ton of cash. You're still going to have to be smart about it. If yeah. he needs, he's going to get paid, and he deserves it. Like that's what that's what the Chiefs did with Hill. The Chiefs basically said, "Look, we we've got the best quarterback." in the league and possibly in, in history, you know, not, not the championships that TB has, but he's unbelievable mm-hmm. and we can't afford this great player. And I think the rest of the world said, yeah, true, but the Vikings can't afford him. But then again, you're going to have to be very smart around him. And it's almost imperative now. And this is where, this is where the coach to me makes the biggest difference that you can identify because it's a tough game that you can identify that quarterback who, if not Burrow, is at least yeah. going to be good enough on a rookie contract to help you win football games. Well, even if you like make this more of a general conversation and not one that just like focuses on Kirk, because mm-hmm. I know that I think the focus on Kirk tends to just trigger people's emotions and blind people. You can't build a Super Bowl roster if you're paying market rate for every one of your starters. You you won't be able to fit it under the salary cap, right? It's a $200 million cap. You have 53 guys on a roster. The argument that, like, well, he's getting paid what the market would. Okay, let's let's do the he's getting paid market value across the board. All right, so, so then I have to have a, a $40 million quarterback, uh, a $25 to $30 million wide receiver, a twelve million dollar running back. It's all market value, right? Mark, uh, a twelve million dollar tight end. I need a fourteen million dollar right tackle. Yeah, well, Eventually, I'm going to have what's the left tackle going to get? A twenty million dollar left tackle at some point, right? Well, it's all, the game isn't. You're not hanging banners of we paid market value for every one of our starters. Congratulations. 
And that You're looking defense. for value. And so if I can get a Hall of Fame wide receiver for market value, mm-hmm. I'd probably sign up for that because I did get four or five years of a rookie-scale contract. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, much like Patrick Mahomes on the quarterback side, or pick your Bosa or your edge rusher, right? I'll pay that market value, but I can't pay market value for every position. So would I rather pay top, top dollar for a Hall of Fame wide receiver or top, top dollar for a B-level quarterback? I'd rather take, because I've heard people say this, well, you, you rip the Cousins contract, when are you going to rip the Jefferson contract? I'm not going to, because he's a Hall of Famer. Cousins is getting paid the third most money to, to the cap to not carry the team like Patrick Mahomes does or Joe Burrow, et cetera. So, by the way, we just did six players there off the top of our heads. Market value, market value, right? 40 plus 25, that's 65, plus another 25, that's 90, uh, 110, about 135 or 140 tied up in six players. And you still have 47 players, or I guess it's top 51. So, you know, 45 players left to go build a roster. You've got to find value. Defensive ends, too. Pass rush ends. Yes. You talk about paying. Um, yes, that's why That's why what we saw on Saturday from the Chiefs, which was a seventh-round running back who was playing, is a very good idea. Oh, and by the way, your late-round draft picks can play. Like, it's legal. Dude, if they the Vikings, can come in and play. If the Vikings swapped out in this offensive system, let's say it's Kirk, a competent B-level quarterback, a good quarterback, no one's trashing him. If you yeah, swapped no, out the great. version of Adam Thielen that we saw for Jalen Naylor, yeah. would there really be? Like, if you gave Jalen Naylor 60 snaps a game or whatever it is, and you gave, let's call it 40 snaps, and KJ Osborne is the number two or something, and uh, and he gets 100 targets or 90 targets, he's probably going to have six, seven, 800 yards like Adam. Like, sometimes you have to just... Trust the young players that you're drafting That's instead the of thing. the $19 million aging guy whose wife is complaining yes. on social media. Well, and just, you know what? If you're going to draft guys, there's no rule that you can't play them. Like, that. that's the thing. And that's sort of like where Zim and O'Connell were a little bit similar. It felt like the late-round picks were like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I Are you telling me that Naylor couldn't get more of a chance? And you know what? He might have struggled, and then he can't play. But at least find out, and they'll say, "Well, we see him in practice," which to me is the most condescending thing. But it, it's like, look, there are, and that's the thing too is like you can plug a running back in and play that dude. You can play those guys; it's fine. Yep. If Ty Chandler had stayed healthy, which he didn't, but there would have been no reason why that if Cook was gone that you couldn't have played him. Yeah. So like it's, and that's where, and that's where it should not be hard. It's going to be a tough discussion, but it should not be hard to jettison several of these veterans so that you can plug guys in. Dude, Ty Chandler, here's the thing. Ty Chandler played five years of high-level Power 5 college football, four years with Tennessee in the SEC, and one year with North Carolina as a second-year senior in the ACC. He carried the ball 603 times over five years in the top, divisions or the top conferences in college football. He ran for over a thousand yards, six yards of carry his last year. Do you think he can probably figure out what he's doing in the NFL to some extent? But yeah, it's like, oh, well, 
I know he was injured for most of the season, but there was right. never any thought to like him getting carries behind Dalvin Cook and Alex Masson. And I will actually defend the Kirk contract for a second in this way. If you start to, and we did, kind of did this in our uh, our cap cleanup episode a week ago, if you start to rank the least valuable or worst value Vikings contracts, Kirk is not one of the top three worst contracts on the team. Thielen at $19 million, Dalvin. Dalvin at like 12, Eric Kendricks at like whatever it is, 12 or 14, maybe yeah. even Harrison Smith. Well, yes. And the uh, the thing too, and and the Niners prove this every week, but you're seeing this more and more, is as we see really sharp offensive minds morphing towards p- positionless football, Dalvin ain't that. I was totally wrong. Dalvin is, and I... I thought for like three years that he was decent, but he is not a good pass catcher. How no, many no. balls did we see him drop? Which, by which, but I mean, I'm self-reporting here because I said l- last year, throw the ball to him more, he can catch. He had made a fantastic catch against Pittsburgh in traffic. Um, but Dalvin Cook is not positionless. It turned out, which is why I think they quit. Basically, I think when O'Connell got here, he had a scheme and thoughts of what Cook could do, and then he watched him. He's like, okay, he really can't. But, you know, when you see these guys split out, and now they're a running back, and now they're in motion, and now they're doing this and, and that, that's what I want to find. Yep. I want to find a guy like that. I don't want I, – I never want to see another, like, bell cow. I mean, Saquon Barkley is great, but you know what? He's going to get paid, and he gets hurt. Uh, this whole bell cow thing, you know, this whole this is our back. And, you know, I mean, hell, look at Zeke. He's a shell of himself. Yeah. I mean, Pollard Pollard's has been their best running back for two hurt. years. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, so this is the thing that I, I think O'Connell really needs to sit down and take a long, hard look at. It's not just his scheme, but how can he get more players now as he um, as he progresses in his tenure in here who fit different things that he can do, as opposed to a lot of guys who are basically, this is what I do well. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's going to be very interesting to see from a coaching and from just a, a personnel standpoint, free agency cuts, everything, what the Vikings do the next few weeks, and the draft on the horizon. And, gentlemen, I have for you. I want a mock. Mock. I got a mock. We're keeping track of as many mocks as we can on this show, and we're stockpiling sort of you know who has the Vikings drafting who and what position. So our mock draft roundup started last week. We did three mocks across Purple Daily and Mackie and Judd. Mm-hmm. And uh, three different players, the, uh, the the guard from Florida, Osiris Torrance, the cornerback from Maryland, Deontay Banks, and then the offensive lineman from NDSU, Cody Motch. And this brings us to WalterFootball.com. Oh, oh, they're, they're coming fast and furious now. Like every day. It's just great to see Wally back. I love how this site clearly launched on like a like an Angel Fire platform 25 years ago and has barely deviated from from what they look like Why you would know, you back in the late 90s. With something that works so well as Wally football. It's great. Probably does. It shows up very high on uh, search traffic. So uh, this mock is presented in part by our friends at Underdog, making it more fun for you to watch football than it already is. Yeah, you know, those NFL refs, I thought I was going to get a hose job uh, yesterday when they took away that Jamar Chase to Gerald Burrow touchdown because old Dex tweets had two props on both of that. Uh, however, I saw my guy Alex. 
he had a nice little five-item parlay that hit uh, earlier last week as well. So he took some overs uh, from Wild Card Weekend and on TJ Hawkinson, on Kirk Cousins, Jamar Chase, etc. There's plenty of options. Now you got Championship Weekend coming up this week in Underdog Fantasy. Uh, go down the Underdog Fantasy app. First-time users, if you use the promo code SCORE, if you haven't downloaded Underdog Fantasy, use promo code SCORE and they'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. Go download the Underdog Fantasy app. We start with the first overall pick, the Chicago Bears. And they don't have trades or they don't have the Bears trading here. They have the Bears straight up picking Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama. The Houston Texans with their pick of any quarterback they want. C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Let's see. I'm just going to skip around here. Uh, Bryce Young going to the Colts at four. Jalen Carter falling the defensive tackle from Georgia falling from Georgia falling to the Seahawks at five. Who went three? Bijan Robinson running back Texas to the Cardinals. Wally. Yeah, yeah. Wally, what's going on? Walter football getting squirrely here. <laughs> yeah, it's really squirrely. Anthony Richardson, the fourth or third, I'm sorry, third quarterback off the board to the Raiders at seven. Okay. Will Levis dropping to nine. Okay, if Will Levis, who some think is the best quarterback, if Will Levis drops to, like, the 9-10 range, do you try to cobble together trade capital if you're the Vikings? Move up 13, 14 Mm -hmm. spots? Oh, I'd certainly consider it, yes. Quarterback of the future. Now the question is, can you cobble? So that'd be, you'd swap first. You'd probably have to give them most of the rest of your draft. There's not a ne- ton next of it. year's first. You probably for have to sure. give next year's first. Um, it's tough. It's tough to move up that far. Wally is my god. He is throwing curveballs. He's not messing around. First receiver off the board, twelve to the Texans. Uh-huh. That'd be Quentin Johnston from TCU. And then uh, JSN, the receiver from Ohio State, going to the Patriots at fourteen. All right, let's get into. They have a page two here for the uh, second half of the first round. And that brings us to actually uh, a little receiver run here. Interestingly, they've got where's Addison? Uh, oh, I don't know what Wally's doing here, but he's got he's got Kayshawn Boot going to the Ravens at twenty two, which brings us to the Vikings with Jordan Addison still on the board here. By the way, the Vikings taking out of South Carolina cornerback Cam Smith. The Vikings have a miserable secondary that couldn't stop Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, and Richie James in two games late in the year. Cam Smith is a fast cornerback with long arms. So what do you think of it's the second cornerback we've seen in our mocks so far? Can we talk about this for a second? I I feel like this is a given now, especially with the mocking community. But the Vikings are going to take a corner. And I completely get it. But can we talk about the investment that this team has previously made high in the draft on this position? You traded up in the second round to get Booth. Evans is a wild card now because he had three concussions. But I believe that you also traded up to get him. You're not that far from drafting uh, Cam Dantzler. So, like, this is a very interesting... uh, I can see it. But I don't know. I just peaked. I didn't realize this is a three-round mock. Well, the first round, football. The first round, it feels like he just got really 
over his skis at times, not with the Vikings pick. Well, they don't have a second-round pick, but I just peaked the Vikings' third-round pick out of Texas Christian University, TCU, quarterback Max Duggan. I want a mock! Oh. Mock! He's from Iowa, coming back home, near home. Interesting. Yeah, second in uh, in Heisman voting. His stats were ridiculous this year. He just made a huge jump as a as a senior. 3,700 yards, 9 yards per attempt. We all saw it. 32 touchdowns, 8 picks. Interesting. What? How would you feel about that if they took their shot at quarterback in the third round again? They whiffed on Kellen Mond, a different front office, but they whiffed on Kellen Mond. I think if you're not going to take first-round shots, you should be taking some shot third, fourth round if there's if there's guys, a Hendon Hooker or Max Duggan, just get get some guys in the pipeline. Dex, go ahead. Yeah, you got to take a shot at a quarterback eventually, and whether that's a third-round pick or a first-round pick, I get that. Um, they, this team needs a lot of other help at positions like cornerback, so I wouldn't be surprised if corner is probably the, probably the number one option on the first round by the time the draft rolls around. But I, I would not hate them taking a quarterback again on day two of the draft. And look, are there Kellen Mons out there? Of course there are, but that's, I can't petrify you from not wanting to draft a quarterback. So I would sign up for this. If Walter Football uh, is indeed mocking this uh, scenario, I'm, I'm in on this scenario. I'd probably take a quarterback later than the third round because of this. It's my firm belief that this team needs to have a strategy in the 2024 draft to go up in the first round if they have to and get one. Um, at some point here... Like, I'm all for cycling guys through to f- to find out. But unless they're going to commit again to Kirk potentially for three more years or something like that, they're going to have to have a, a plan in place for, for the approach here. Um, I probably wouldn't take one in the third round. I would take one with, you know, a fifth-round pick as a potential development guy. But I'm hoping that they have a plan for exactly how they think that they're going to replace Kirk with the ripcord being potentially an immediate starter. Yeah. I don't well, love that, but I do think but I mean there's got to be something in place unless you are unless guys in March you are going to call up Kirk again and say three more years, three more years. Well, if you're wondering on timing there, so the first day of the NFL league year is March 15th, I believe. Last year, it was around the same time. Let me just pull this up here. Yeah, March. Uh, so there's a ne- the negotiating period. The tampering period is March 13th to the 15th. And then the new league year is March 15th. That's when players can can actually sign. So teams need to be cap compliant by then. Last year, it was March 13th that Kirk signed a one-year $35 million contract extension. Right. Which so we're probably five or six weeks away from one way or the other. Is he going to sign an extension? Are they going to go into the last year? They'll probably figure that out in the next five weeks or so. Yep. So stay tuned to Purple Daily. Kirk Cousins Daily. My prediction right now, they're going to sign him to another one-year extension that gets him through 2024, and that's it. Okay. But then but then you've got to find a guy. So, so if you cut all of the guys that we've gone through, the veterans, you have those difficult conversations. You call in Dalvin Cook. You call in, you know, feeling, hey, guy, it's been great. But what's the one position when free agency starts? So let's say that you free up enough cap space to make one splash. What's the position that you pursue? 
So it doesn't I, have to be a draft. It, you're actually going to make one free agent splash. I want to – I know this is lame, but I'm going to do a deeper dive in the next day or two on free agents that are going to be available lining up with the Vikings' needs. Maybe that will be an episode of Purple Daily this week. Well, and that's, guys, to me, that aren't household names coming out of their first contract. Mm-hmm. 26-year-old dudes. Yeah, I don't want a guy I know. Oh, man, he's been around long in the tooth, but he brings a lot to the room. I don't need that crap. <laughs> Um, Because I am thinking this, if that, if you are going to address corner in the first round, I would almost prefer to get a corner coming out of his first contract that I can sort of be my guy. And then, and then things flow around him. Yeah. Well, and they're going to have maybe 40 ish million dollars in cap space when it's all said and done, which doesn't get you, it gets you maybe, and there's ways you can maneuver like. Mm-hmm. a big signing bonus with a free agent, put that money into the 2024, 25, 26 seasons. But yeah, I think um, I'm going to withhold my answer and give you All a right. more educated answer later on in the, in the week here. I'm yeah. We are your home for Vikings off season discussion and speculation here. Purple daily, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die.